This week on Excelsior Journeys, my guest is author and publisher Chancellor K. Jackson. Chancellor did not think about writing when he was growing up. He knew that he had some course that he had to take in life. After college, Chancellor decided to start teaching English over in Beijing. He had no idea that that experience would lead him to spending 14 days behind bars in Beijing. But that experience led him into the wonderful world of writing and publishing and coaching. He's got a lot to tell about all of this. JLD, do the honors. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. So would you say that that's kind of like the lightning bolt moment for you? And that's you, why I moment? taught myself how to draw, was actually the Little Mermaid, drawing stills of Ariel. On. I've got better things to do tonight than so die. So jumped out of his chair and said, who the F is this? I remember walking out of the theater with him saying, I'm going to write Halloween I'm rather sense. impressed with your research. Rarely do people ask me about children in the corner. It doesn't have to too. be perfect. Just do it. You know, throw yeah. some spaghetti yeah. against a wall. See this if it sticks. This is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. This is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for tuning in for over 160 episodes. And I hope you keep tuning in when Excelsior Journeys becomes part of the Once Upon a Podcast Network starting, starting on January 1st, 2023. There is a constant saying that applies to writing. It's never too late. You can literally start Anytime, and I love getting the chance to meet people who've decided later in life that it's time for them to start putting their thoughts and experiences down on the page for the world to read. In the case of this week's guest, Chancellor Jackson has done just that. His experience of being locked up in China for two weeks inspired him to write 14 Days in Beijing, and he followed that up with two more books, You Love and You Learn and Real Love Never Dies. He's not only reached one, number one, bestseller status on Amazon multiple times since releasing his first book, but he's also turned to coaching aspiring authors who are ready to turn their dreams into reality just as he has. So it is my pleasure to introduce this week's guest, Chancellor Jackson. Chancellor, how are you, sir? Hey, man. Blessings and balance to you, George. Appreciate you for having me on here. Blessings and balance to everyone that's tuning in right now. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much for being here, too. When you told me your whole story, I knew that I had to have you on here because that's really just one hell of a story. So I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to you expanding on it as well. So so before we jump in and, and basically like go in into basically your origin story here, what is the latest book that you have out right now that uh, we can that we can go ahead and let the people know about? The latest book that I publish is Real Love Never Dies. Mm-hmm. That's part two to the romance saga. At least book mm-hmm. three, is at least as far as the whole entire series. But one of my clients that I'm working with that I've helped polish their story and definitely help publish it and market. Mm-hmm. It's titled The Fatherless Child by mm-hmm. Anthony McKinney. And it just dropped on the 16th of this month and it was ranked a new bestseller in two different genres. So Excellent. We, we're extremely proud, you know what I'm saying, for him and happy. And I knew it was going to be a great story just when I was editing it. You know what I'm saying? I was like, he, he wrote the hell out of it. I and mean, it's yeah. pretty much his experience of being molested as a child wow. before the age of 10 and those that, you know what I'm saying, violated him were just babies them, themselves, you know what I'm saying? They were kids themselves. So, but how those events, you know what I'm saying, it, of course altered his, his life at that age. And then of course it's going to be a series as well. Just telling yeah. 
how this this one incident translated to who he is today, being a part of the LGBTQ community. Wow. But it's, it's a great story, though. It's a great, great story. So, I, yeah, I definitely go check that out. The Fatherless Child. Go check that out. The Fatherless Child. That's great. How how great does that feel, knowing that you had a part to play in getting that story out there? It's, it's amazing because it's like I did it myself, and it wasn't like I'm gonna, I'm not going to sit here and portray this ultimate poise like I've been had it figured out. You know what I'm saying? No, I, right. I had no clue how I was going to start writing the book. I It wasn't even my idea. You know what I'm saying? It was one of my friend's idea that was a published author before we graduated high school in 2014. He was the one oh, that was wow. like, yeah, he was like, you should write a book about your experience. I'm like, well, that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good idea. I don't even know where to start, but you know what I'm saying? That's a good idea. He took it even further. And pretty much what I do for people is what he did for me. He went mm-hmm. with my notes, gave me a, a brief outline. Very, yeah. very brief, very vague. Opening scene, following scene, climax, following scene, closing scene. That's what mm-hmm. it was. And I just went in and just started, I just feel, started filling it in and Really, I started to catch the flow of how I wanted to go about telling the story. And then that's when I just took it and ran with it. So yeah. it's just, you know what I'm saying, me doing it. And, of course, I'm man, I hit a home run on my first time stepping up to the plate. So just yeah. be able to take somebody else and give them the same game and watch them do it. And they achieve the same success. It's like, okay, I definitely got a formula figured out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Saying, you know what I'm saying? So it's like... For sure. I just want to continue to grow it now. You know what I'm saying? Get as many people. Now, it sounds like they're, the way that you're approaching this is basically just kind of letting people know, just like, hey, there's a story in you. Oh, yeah. And, sure. and it really feels like, you know, just basically you're saying to them, look, there was a story in me and this is what I was able to do. And I can see that story in you based on based on what you what you're what you've been through. Yeah. So you're basically just kind of saying to them, you know, this is how you can, this is how you can shape it. The same, right. the way that, the way that you were, that, that you were right. Yeah. And it's like, you know what I'm saying? You went through it for a reason. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So it's like, you might as well do something with it. <laughs> yeah. And you, you might, might as well prepare others who might be going through the same sort of thing. Yeah. It, they, it may not be the exact same thing, yeah. but at least you can, you can arm them. Basically, you can you can prepare them for, for something like that. And you can get paid for your tragedy. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you, know, yeah. you might as well go make a dollar off of it now. <laughs> you know That's, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely I'm definitely with you there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let so let's start from, from the beginning then, because I mean there were I mean Normally, what I like to talk about is what I call the lightning bolt moment. And that's when you kind of meet someone or see something, hear someone or something, and just kind of makes you say, that's the kind of life I want to live. That's the kind of path I want to be on. In your case, it sounds like the path was kind of chosen for you in a sense. So, you know, you literally had no choice, you know, except to go through that. And then once you went through that, that's when... My fault. Oh, no worries. So once you went through that, that's really what you were able to kind of kind of direct that, you know, basically just trying to say, like, OK, I went through it. This is how I can make it work for me. So tell us about what led you on this path in the first place. Man, <laughs> it's funny because I played football vast majority of my life. So okay. I got to play Division One football. So once football came to an end, my, you know I'm saying, my senior year, last game. I was just like at a crossroad, like, damn, chance was next. 
Mm. You know what I'm saying? So you weren't feeling like you were gonna keep on going with it, or oh no, yeah, I knew, yeah, I knew, the, yeah, NFL here, yeah, no, I, I was good on all of that. I had, I, I definitely wanted to play Division One football. That was one of my biggest goals, and I was able to accomplish that. So yeah. I, and especially coming from where I come from, most people don't even get to play at the next level alone, yeah. let alone the Division One level. And if they do play at, you know, what I'm saying, either or, not many finish. So I was mm-hmm. at, you know, saying I actually was able to do it from start to end. So I'm good as far as just, you know, what I'm saying football. Now it's coming to an end. It comes to an end eventually. You know what I'm saying? Right. So now with that being said, I got to reshape myself all over again. I got to re-identify. Yeah. And I don't even know where to start. Mm. And but I knew I needed to start somewhere because like man, I don't I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't even know what yeah. I like doing. I man, I don't even know. I have no clue. Right. Uh, so I just started job search and just mm. applying for just anything that I felt I could. And there know. was nothing holding you back. Like there wasn't there weren't any other response. You know, were there any other like responsibilities back at home or anything? Or I just- mean, really, I just got to. F- graduate you just graduate at this point but i'm like i definitely want to have something lined up yeah. before i graduate you know what i mean right so i was like, i definitely need to start applying now because it's already november may will be here before we know it so mm-hmm. <laughs> um so it, i'm like this leaves me plenty of room too you know what i'm saying because i already know it's going to be trial and error but just because yeah. i don't have any experience i mainly apply for corporate positions sales marketing management all of that and my degree is in communication and media studies okay um, but uh, for eight months of just applying, you know what I'm saying, landing interviews and all this, I couldn't land a position. For, mm. I did this whole process for eight months. and But uh, you know, so I know I got to continue to, to keep searching. Some go, you're going to find something. Keep searching. Can't give up. Yeah. And that's when I came across the opportunity to teach English abroad in China. Oh, wow. Okay. So I applied. Ended up getting, you know what I'm saying, they wanted to move forward with me. And this was the first company to finally tell me yes. After eight months of applying and being told no, you know what yeah. I'm saying. So, so this first job tell me yes. So I'm like, yeah, hey, ain't no ifs ands or buts about it. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. That's where we going. And I knew it was gonna be. I, my, I definitely wanted to do something cool and extravagant as far as the first job. So I'm like, oh yeah, this is perfect, boy. Teaching in a whole different country. Oh yeah, this is lit. <laughs> this yeah, is gonna be exactly. lit. So, a whole new experience. You know, well, like, really, just, yeah. And and this is this is the time to do it. You know, like you're just out of school, you're applying. It's just like your your life is really about to start. Really. For real, just, you, know, you know, yeah. So, um, so how was it when you when you started there? Like, what was the what was the experience like? Yeah, so China was absolutely the best experience I've had, hands down. Yeah, I highly, of course, everybody travel abroad. I always mm-hmm. encourage that, but you can't really, you know, what I'm saying, get a feel for the land and the span of just a few days or, you know what I'm saying, a week. You got to really submerge yourself in that land. So I encourage everybody for at least one time in your life, man, if you can, bro, live in a different country. Live someplace else. And it ain't got to be long. You know what I'm saying? I was only in China for six months and I got a full experience. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It ain't got to be long. So I definitely encourage everybody to live, some, live someplace else for, you know what I'm saying, a good, you know what I'm saying, just for a certain amount of time. And just see how much you grow. Mm-hmm. For sure, you learn you know what I'm saying, about yourself. And then, of course, a completely different culture and people and, most importantly, life in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was absolutely amazing. The people were nice. Best customer service I received in my life, hands down. Really? 
Nice. And you can't even tip them people. Like it's against really? their culture to you know what I'm saying, receive tips. So they just so that's just them doing their job. You know what I'm saying? They're not trying to kiss your ass to get a little couple extra dollars. No, that's just that's just them yeah. doing their job. Right. Um and they take pride in their work. You know what I'm saying? Very proud for people, disciplined people, orderly people. So you know what I'm saying, the culture is different just because of all those aspects, but you can respect it just because you know what I'm saying. Yeah. China is going to be one of the top countries and you know what I'm saying the next couple of years for shit shows. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You gotta respect them people for the work they put in and they stay they're very disciplined be- mm-hmm. you know, and they that's why they have so much you know, they're doing what they're doing just because of you know what I'm saying how disciplined they are. Gotcha. Yeah. But and I enjoy working with the kids. You know what I'm saying? Ki- kids are kids no matter where you go. Right. No matter what space of the earth you are in, but kids are kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just like oh, yeah. you know they 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 be turned up for sure. But you know what I'm saying? Most of our lessons are, are pretty much games, just to keep them, you know what I'm saying, engaged. So, yeah. you know what I'm saying, with me, uh, being a former athlete, oh, yeah, my game, we're going to compete. You know, we're going to see who can run, who can jump. We're going nice. to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we, we, Use we, what we you know, know and, and, and run with it. Right. Exactly. So, we, you know what I'm saying, I enjoy working and enjoy working with the kids, most importantly. It was, it was a vibe, for sure. And definitely just exploring Beijing. This is a whole different world, essentially. Yeah. This is a whole different world. None of these people look like me. I can barely speak the language. You know what I'm saying? Every it, it was we always equated it to like, bro, we feel like we on a, a video game or like we in a movie. We on a movie set right now. Like this don't seem real. Like this is crazy. Like we're yeah. really out here. So it was it was an amazing experience and definitely the nightlife was was lit. Food <laughs> crazy. Food so far. Authentic Chinese food. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, China was lit, man. I was living my best life. You know what I'm saying? And then April fourth, twenty nineteen, shit hit the fan. <laughs> so you know, so so with with that, let's talk about the proverbial shit hitting the fan here. So like, yeah. what you know, like it sounded like everything was going well. You're able to get you you got like this life going for yourself. You have you're able to kind of feel like you're on the right path. Now, did you feel like you were going to back then before everything happened? Did you feel like this is where you're going to be staying for like the next several years? No, I knew I was going to, because my contract was for a year. So I knew I was, okay. going, I was going to do my year for sure. Now, yeah. what would happen after that year? I'm like, man, I have no clue. I'm going to be a whole different person in a whole, after the whole year here. So yeah, yeah, I knew I was going to do at least a year. At least that was my goal. I wanted to do a year. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Of course. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, universe. Now let's now let's talk about that though. You know, so so what exactly happened that all of a sudden put this you know stopper on everything? Yeah, so pretty much I was smoking the whole time I was in China. So one day I'm getting ready to head. It's my day off. I'm getting ready to head to the event to meet with some friends and colleagues. And before I go to the event, I'm a pre. I was like, I'm a pregame first. For yeah. those that don't know what pregaming is, that's like when you and some friends finna get ready to go out. On a night full of festivities, fun fest, adult festivities. Yeah, I was like, hey, let's meet up at so and so house first, and we're gonna turn up there, and then we're gonna go out and have even more fun. Oh yeah, yeah. So, saves, it saves money. You know, that's that's <laughs> one. That's that's a big thing right there. You know, I've gone. I've I've had. I've done my share of pre gaming you know, on, on things, and yeah. So yeah, and and in some cases, like the pre gaming, kind of outweighs the actual the actual you know festivities <laughs> out, you know, like outside. So. Oh, you, know, you can you can you can knock back like a, a good like twenty bucks worth of alcohol like you know before going out and Thanks. then just like nurse a, a couple of beers for like 
five, ten bucks or so. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah, I, hey, I, w- I went through the college life. I know <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very aware of, oh, of uh, different means of trying to <laughs> trying to save a few bucks every now and then. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah. So, so I'm like, yeah, I'm pre-gaming. So I'm drinking some Chinese liquor and smoking some cannabis at my little sip of pipe. Yep. And get done. So I'm getting dressed. Here, knock at the door. Curious to see who it is. Look through the people. It's three officers from the Beijing police. Um, yeah, I'm shook right now. So I'm like, oh, shit, what they doing here? Um, right. But have they, have they pulled up to the apartment before randomly? Yes. Do they do it to foreigners, foreigners often? Yes. And it's mainly just to check your documents just to prove that you are over here illegally, essentially. Yeah. Um, so that's when I'm like, okay, this is a routine. So I go put everything up and open the door and they walk in. And officer in front, he's questioning me about drugs. I'm like, I'm from I'm from Atlanta, bro. This Atlanta's the city of finesse. You live by the finesse, you die by the finesse. So I'm like, bro, we what you talking about now? You tripping, bro? Passport? Yeah, let me go grab my passport. That was you need to go check my documentation. Like last time, I don't know what you talking about. Right. So I go grab my documentation, grab it, you know what I'm saying, everything, bring it to him. And they, he sit down, he look over the other two officers. They just walk around the apartment, just scoping it out. And time passes, and another officer enters the apartment, and he has something in his hand. Hmm. Can't really make out what it is, and he hands that item to the officer that I was originally talking to, and that officer tells me that I need to pee into the cup. So it's a drug test right there on the spot. Oh. I'm like, oh yeah, it's over with. Hmm. <laughs> I'm like, it's over with. Uh. So do the drug test. Mm-hmm. I'm, as soon as I pee into the cup and hand it to the officer. They set it on the counter and they all just huddled around the, the contact yeah. high already. <laughs> huddled around it and the results came back instantly. And mm. you know what I'm saying? So I failed the drug test, of course. And by this time, there's about eight officers in the apartment. One of them speaks English fluently. And he's questioning me about failing the drug test, who I get the weed from, and da da da. Now, like I said, I'm from Atlanta, the city of finesse, live by the mm-hmm. finesse. You die by finesse. So mm-hmm. I'm sitting here shooting the shit with this officer. And we just going back and forth, going back and forth. And once he realized that I wasn't really going to get him any information he could work with, he just pretty much made it clear that I was caught red-handed and that the charade was up and he knew I had more. So I'm like, all right, for sure. It is what it is. Hey, I died by the finesse this time. It's all yeah. good. I lived to finesse another day. Now I have to hold myself accountable. Um, yeah. Fess up to it. They want me to show them my stash. So I get up showing my stash to show them my stash. But when I get there, everything's been discovered. Like, you know what I'm saying? They just was trying to see whatever information they could get from me beforehand. So yeah. confiscate everything, throw the cuffs on me, walk me out, escort me out the building, and send me down in the police van. And now announced at this moment, really wants the handcuffs to put on me, all forms of communication is completely done. Mm. Like, now it's like, for the rest of the story, <laughs> yeah. it's like, we don't know what's going to happen. And one, it isn't like I can speak, speak the language fluently. You know what I'm saying? So I can't even really ask no questions. And then as far as my culture here in America, we told, you know what I'm saying? I've been told not to talk to the police. You know what I'm saying? That's how yeah. we've been raised to, you know what I'm saying, interact with these people. Right. By not interacting. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I ain't posing. I ain't really, they ain't say nothing to me. I ain't say nothing to them. So we get to one precinct. We there briefly, like 30 minutes or something, and then we get back in the van. Yeah. I'm like, what are we doing? I don't know. I'm like, I don't know where we're going now. 
We mm-hmm. end up at another precinct. You know what I'm saying? Now this one they had me change clothes and put me in a holding cell with like eight other Chinese dudes. And then my official interrogation is done, which is dramatic, just because they take me to the basement of the precinct into this yeah. room and lock me into this metal chair that looks like an electric chair. Ooh, <laughs> but by this time, you know what I'm saying? I've had that was plenty of time for me to come up with a good story to finesse them with, you know what I'm saying, from being arrested and now we, you know what I'm saying, they finna do the actual interrogation. Like I've had plenty of time to come up with a good story to finesse them with. So, yeah. you know what I'm saying, give my, you know what I'm saying, my made up detailed story and they, yeah, it was two officers. One was asking all the questions. The other officer was transcribing the, the entire thing. Yeah. And then they bring the transcription over to me to read and <laughs> But everything's in Mandarin, so I I don't know what this thing is saying. So oh, jeez. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what this is saying. But yeah. they said, sign it, sign it. And they tell me to thumbprint it, thumbprint mm-hmm. it. They release me, and now we go back upstairs, do my mugshot, handprint. And then um, throw me back into the holding cell. You know what I'm saying? And now I'm just mm-hmm. reflecting, and I've just been reflecting on everything as it's been transpiring. And then, of course, after it transpired, just reflecting on like brother mm. did they you know what I'm saying did uh, they buy the story was the story good enough like just replaying the whole scenario of everything that happened earlier today you know what I'm saying leading up to the rest and what I could have did better and yeah you know what I'm saying just reflecting but I'm not like panicking or nothing I'm just really in the moment like damn it's like damn you could have did this now you could have did this now you could have did this mm. you know what I'm saying but I know yeah. I was like I don't know what's gonna happen bro how this thing from the play out, but just I'm not. Like there's gonna... no, there's no point in dwelling on what could have been done. Now it's just about okay. Here I am. Yeah. What's the next step from here? Oh yeah. me, I was like, I know I'm gonna be good when it's all said and done. I know yeah. I'm gonna be good. Just take note of every minor detail because it's gonna be a great story to tell once you mm-hmm. had a disagreement. And most importantly, enjoy this high one last time. But we don't know what the hell's gonna happen to us, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for real. <Yeah. laughs> so once you, you come see? down, that's 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 about it. That's... Right. Yeah. So, yeah, now they threw me back in the holding cell. Hours pass, hours and hours pass. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Now my high is coming down. I fell asleep. Get woken up by them coming to get me out of the cell and um, take me back to the lobby, bring my basket clothes, tell me to get dressed. So I'm like, oh, shit, these folks are let me go. Yes, sir, boy. See, look, this is what happened when you work with these folks. You be complying, good energy, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting in the lobby waiting for the next set of orders. And they had me follow them through a, a door that's behind the front desk. Mm-hmm. So we entered the door, entered through the door, and now we're in the hallway. And at the end of the hallway is a small room crowded with officers. So I'm following the officer into this room. And as I enter, I can only assume that this is some form of evidence room because it's evidence bags everywhere. Like, just, yeah. it's just hoarded. Like, there's no sense of organization at, at all. Like, I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. But in front of me is a table, and on the center of the table is everything that's confiscated from my apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is an interesting phase within the this, – and this we still in the first chapter of what I'm breaking down to y'all. <laughs> yeah. so, really? Exactly. Wow. So this is an interesting phase within chapter one because, like I said, communication is non-existent. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen, how this thing going to play out, how long I'm going to be in this situation, n- nothing. Yeah. And it's like that throughout the whole story. But with the end, with that being said, I receive signs and messages from the universe, from the ancestors, the higher mm-hmm. powers, the guardian angels, wherever you want to refer to them as. Let me know how long I was going to be in the situation and how it's going to play out. Yeah. You know, I received like three of them. Yeah. 
but this is the very first one and the only one that was live in action. Um, so they weighed the weed up in front of me. And this, and it's also interesting because like, when have you ever heard of the officers weighing up whatever you just got caught with, you know what I'm saying, in front of you? Like, yeah. They, so they weighed up in front of me and it told us out to be 1.4 grams. Now, those that partake in cannabis, you know, 1.4 grams of cannabis. 1.4 grams isn't nothing. Right. If you don't partake in cannabis, we're talking units of measurement. 1.4 mm-hmm. grams of anything isn't a lot. So it's like, I ain't had nothing but like a joint, if anything. Right. But you look at that number, 1.4. It's a decimal. You remove that decimal, what number do you get? You just get one. 1.4. Take away that decimal. Oh, yeah. What number is that? 14. 14, yeah. Title of the book, 14 Days in Beijing. So that was one of the very first signs that let me know. You know what I'm saying? Let me know how long I was going to be in this situation. But did I catch it right then and there? Absolutely not. It wasn't until I wrote the book and was editing it and I was able to pinpoint like, oh, wow, that's crazy. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But so, yeah, it put everything on paper. I can't read it, of course, but I signed it and thumbprinted just like last time. Mm -hmm. And then get back in the car and the van. Did they even bother to tell you what it said? You know, like, no. Or or did they just say, like, here, sign this? Sign it. Thumbprint it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah. Straight like it that. could be. It could be like the Apple, you know, like agreement or anything. Like <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't even know. Well, I'm like, hey man, just be compliant. That's the last thing you want to be doing is bucking and being belligerent. That's, I don't think that's going to make the situation better. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> let's just be cordial. Mm-hmm. So we get back in the van, and now I'm like, okay, I've been in custody all day. I work with y'all. I'm like, I'm back. You know what I'm saying? There's no way they're not taking me home now. You know what I'm saying? So we just riding. And next thing I know, we arrive at a facility Detail with tall walls and uh, barbed wire. Yeah. I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> we just getting started. So. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that's when I was housed for the next days. And I was locked up 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 15 people to one cell, nine wooden beds, three soups a day. And all I had was one Tupperware bowl and one plastic spoon. Mm. Wow. Wow. Now, was there any sort of, was there any sort of interaction with anyone or is it, you know, like, um, you, you said yeah. that there were, there were, said there were what, 15? Yeah. That people were there? 15 yeah. people that were in there. Well, so um, were, you, were you able to communicate at all with them or were they just well, themselves? first three days? I was the only foreigner, only English speaker in my city. So I'm in a bit 14 other Chinese men. Yeah. None of which I can speak to. Mm-hmm. So there's no communication, really. I'm just a lot of reflecting. <laughs> a lot of a lot of reflecting. Seventy two hours to just reflect. <laughs> were, <laughs> you know were they were they coming up to you and like starting oh, yeah. trouble or anything? Oh, yeah. like, oh no, they they really just wanna talk. We got a bunch of questions and curious because mm-hmm. most of them have never been this close to a person of color before. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. Yeah. They just intrigued, you know what I'm saying? Just got a bunch of questions. But with the language barrier, it's like, but I don't even know what y'all talking about, bro. Right. And you know what I'm saying? Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. So it's like, we ain't, there's no point of us trying to, you know what right. I'm saying? We just got to just sit here, bro. That's all we can do anyway. Just, yeah. So, but on the fourth day, chapter four, I moved to a new cell. And now I'm amongst two English speakers. And oh, wow. Okay. Now I can finally communicate with somebody uh-huh. and learn how the jail operates. And how this process works, but I still yeah. don't know how long I'm going to be here. But ironically enough, everybody else knows all of their information to the last detail. Really? <laughs> I'm just the only one that don't know not a damn thing. So, it's, wow. But that's what makes my I, story what it is. I, 
I can't imagine. I can't imagine like the, going three days and not being able to communicate with anyone. Like that is, <laughs> dude. You know, I mean, like that is. That's how you're able to get through that is 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 impressive in and of itself. You know. But, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah was, I mean, I, like I said, I knew I was gonna have to. I when I first got in the cell, and I'm like, damn, this is crazy. Like, I'm that's when reality fully clicked. Like, okay, yeah, you're in here. Yeah. And nobody knows you're in here. But like I said, you said earlier, ain't no point in crying over spilled milk. What needs to take place in order for me to get on up out of here? Well, people got to realize you're in here first and foremost. Yeah. So I was like, you didn't show up to that event. And I'm sure they called and you ain't answered. And when you don't show up for work Monday and uh, Sunday, Saturday and Sunday for your eight o'clock class. Oh, yeah. People going to come looking for you then. So it's yeah. like you have to sit through the weekend at least mm-hmm. before you become missing on people's radar. So, you know what I'm saying? We're going to Thug it for now and come Monday, the search for you, for me will begin. Um, mm. We'll just take it another step, you know, just step by step. That's how we're going to keep doing it. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah. So then, so day four hits, you mm. wind up, you know, wind up getting some other people that can communicate with you. And you're starting to learn a little bit more about what's going on. You don't know exactly how long you're going to be there, yeah. but at least you, you're getting some sort of sense of just like, okay there you can see a little bit in front of you it's almost like it's almost like when you know like just kind of driving in a rainstorm and just now the headlights are start starting to work yeah <laughs> you can't you can't get you can't get to the end you don't know where the end is yeah. but you can at least see what's ahead of you yeah facts facts yeah. facts yeah so yeah i'm so yeah so i wasn't able to make contact with anybody till day 7 chapter 7 so wow. for a weekend and then, you know what I'm saying, just, I didn't know it was going to be another week, but, you know what I'm saying, just another week of just, you know what I'm saying, sitting, hoping to hear some information and not hearing anything. Yeah. <laughs> and then one yeah. day, you know what I'm saying, they just finally call your name, like, come on. You like, <laughs> what, for real? <laughs> Me? <That's it>. Yeah. <laughs> Me? So it's a climactic almost. <laughs> man, like, not nah, for real. Like, oh, yeah, man, wow. this is crazy. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. you so you get out, you get that, you, you go the 14 days, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden, just like that, like you're all finished. Did they just kind of walk you through any other sort of process or anything yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It- so the process isn't over. Like, okay, you're yeah. out of jail. Right. That's step one. Now they take you straight to your apartment to pack up the rest of your shit, and then straight to the airport. And you're deported from oh, the Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they get you on up out of there. Yes, uh, yeah, I, you know, like something like that. Yeah, that's... Whew. Yeah, that, just like all right, you're 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 done now. Yeah, <laughs> did they you know they were able to like arrange your own flight and everything? Like, what, was this something? Yeah, so that day we was able to make contact with the out. You know, what I'm saying? So day yeah. seven, chapter seven, we was able to finally make uh, contact. We was meeting with the immigration mm-hmm. dude, and the whole purpose was us for us having our phones was to find somebody that can buy us a plane ticket for mm-hmm. whenever he find us find a ticket for us. You know, what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so that's that's how that whole process works. So find somebody okay. to buy you a ticket, and then once he, you know, what I'm saying they buy the ticket. All right, and you know what I'm saying the day your flight, that's the day you released. Okay. Yeah. All right. so, so just from jail right to the air, you know, to the yeah. apartments, so you can get your yeah. stuff. Yeah. Right to the airport, and then that's it. Back to you know, your, your time in Beijing is done. Yeah. So it. yeah. So so once you landed, once you touched down and everything, how was how was that sort of feeling? Kind of being back in America, getting all of that behind you. 
it was it was I was happy to be I was I was happy to be a free for sure. You know what I'm saying? On the flight back, I got drunk in a motherfucker. Well, was, <laughs> what? <I> yeah. Got, <laughs> what? So yeah. <clears throat> it definitely felt good to be back. And I was just telling close friends and family, you know what I'm saying, the story verbally and just seeing <laughs> their body language from me just telling this story, just how much it's shifting and intense in and Facial expression. I'm like, oh yeah, this story crazy. Like, I'm talking about. You can hear a pin drop. It's complete focus and silence. You know what I'm saying, honing in on. You know what I'm saying, my every word. I'm like, oh yeah, this story. It's yeah. a powerful story. And I was like, damn, oh, I got to do something with this. Well, I don't know what I'm gonna do, mm-hmm. and, but I'm not, I got to do something with it. But definitely, I was back to square one all over again. Though you know what I'm saying, I had lost everything. I was like, damn. It was back to when football first came to end. Essentially, like, damn, all right. What we gonna do, bro? You know what I'm saying? What's next? How you gonna, you know what I'm saying? How we gonna bounce back? Yeah. And it was definitely, you know what I'm saying, a hard time for sure. Just because, like I said, money's still in China. Lost a job, just fresh out of jail. You know what I'm saying? Now I'm finding mm-hmm. out, you know what I'm saying? I'm losing my girl. I'm like, oh man, I'm down bad. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm doing bad right now. So it was definitely a process, you know what I'm saying, for sure. And then, Come, it came like around July. That's when I got in coaching football. Oh, nice! And and I just fell into that. You know what I'm saying? It was crazy how that played out. And then I started. So you, writing- were, so you were already coaching before you, you know, like you started doing what you're doing now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I started coaching football in 2019 that summer, and then started writing 14 days in Beijing that summer as well. Yeah. And that's when it took those two things to really start to get me on a path somewhat. And then that's when school year came back around, got back into the school system and education. So I continue to do all, I still do, you know what I'm saying? Coach and teach. And then now coaching at risk teens that have got uh, arrested for drugs or, oh, got wow. arrested, you know what I'm saying? The other hot shit. And yeah. we use 14 days in Beijing as a part of our lessons to pull our life skills from. Oh, um, nice. You know nice. what I'm saying? So, and also my, I'm on my own publishing company, Cole Publications, LLC, which all my books are published through. And my service mm-hmm. of coaching aspiring authors as, as well. And it's pretty much, you know what I'm saying, it's going to be, a, it is a publishing company. Like, you know what I'm saying, my client, mm-hmm. he's, he's up underneath me. He's under Cole Publication, but he owns all the rights and, and gets all the royalties to yep. his work. You know what I'm saying? I'm just helping him. You know what I'm saying? We're just going to be, we're just a platform. We're going to help you yeah. put your know you work You'll work with him on the setup and on the formatting you know and the cover design and stuff like that. You'll get yeah. it ready for him, yeah. but it's up. But, you know, like at the end of the day, when all this is finished, you know, like it's theirs. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just Quillet Publications, LLC, just help you know what I'm saying? Publish it for sure. You know what I'm that's saying? What, that's what we're doing right now with, with the podcast <laughs> network that, you know, that my, that my friends and I are actually starting up because the main thing that everyone says with podcast networks and the same thing as, as publishing companies is that you're giving away your rights or you're giving away like you know the things that the things that you own yeah. when you're when you're signing up with, with some of these and in some cases that's true you know like I'm dealing w- with I'm dealing with a headache right now with my own with my publisher of two of my own books but you know like when it comes to the podcast network that's coming up in January the way that we're doing it is we're basically saying hey look you know like we're not here to hoard shows just like you're not there to hoard manuscripts or anything. I mean. <laughs> you're there to help get it out you know like, yeah, and me. everything and to provide some sort of an umbrella so that's basically what we're doing so yeah. we're not owning anything you know we're not owning anyone's show you know like if if time comes that they feel that the network is not the right fit we're not going to say like well you have to start from scratch we're saying okay 
if that's the case, you know, like here are your here are your episodes, here's I mean, your show, here's your cover art and everything. The only thing that we own is just the the podcast lo- the podcast network logo. That just has to come off of your your cover yeah. art. But I mean, everything else, you know, go for it. So same sort of thing here. You know, that's that's a great way to do it. You know, you can I mean, help them with the with the with the setup and the formatting and the cover art and everything. You can make it look professional you know the way much more than the average person would be able to do but at no, the end man. of the, at the end of the day it's their work it's their they're man. basically investing in themselves oh man right? that's what uh you know what I'm, saying? I'm all about ownership and, and you know what I'm saying being your own yeah. boss and independency so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that's what Kool-Aid publications thrive to do you know what i'm saying we would definitely it's like united masters the mm-hmm. music they got a it's a record company a record label you know what i'm saying yeah. but they're all their independent artists, you know what I'm saying, own all their rights, own all their royalties. And Image Comics. Image they, Comics, the same thing. Image Comics grown. started with that. And now it's, yeah. it's huge. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's huge. So I'm like, shit. Now, the funny thing is, is that, you know, like 2000, you said it was summer of 2019 when you started writing the book, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So no one expected that the whole freaking world was going to shut down like about mm-hmm. seven months from then. Nah. So, you know, like, were you still working on the book as, as COVID was happening or was this something uh, that you already finished? Really, yeah. I was already finished with it. Yeah. I had it set up and it was already set up on pre-sale on Amazon, like in March, late March, I want to say. Okay. Um, so- oh, wow. So you, so it hit just as everything yeah. was shutting down. Yeah. See, I got locked up on April 4th, 2019. So the release mm-hmm. date for the very first, uh, version of 14 days April 4th, 2020. Very oh, wow. the year. Um, nice. so, and while which I was still is, on- which is great because like at that time, you know, like we're a few weeks into quarantine, people Man. want something to read. Absolutely. People you know want saying? something to, something to do. They're not all gonna watch Tiger King. You know, like sorry, <laughs> oh, sorry Joe. Sorry. Oh, me. Oh, me. Oh, me. <laughs> sorry, and Carol. everybody now yeah. folks really at the house and ain't got really got nothing to do. You know yeah. what I'm saying? They got a lot of time on their hands. You know what I'm saying? So it's like mm-hmm. yeah. And they might not even be into reading, but just I got all this time on my hands. I might as well tap in with Cuz book just cuz. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah, that's it really helped. COVID really helped with the marketing and the launch of the book. You know what I'm saying? So I was yeah. still on pre-sale. I was in number ranked number one new bestseller in three different genres. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So once you once you got that first one done. Is that you just felt like, hey, I got more stories in me? Well, after 14 days, I was like, shit, this is it right here. I, I really, I don't know anything else to write. Mm-hmm. At least I don't feel, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I have any more material to write. But the main person that put the bug in my ear to write 14 days, he started putting the bug in my ear to write the romance. So once 14 days started going crazy, like, well, you need to go ahead and write the romance. I'm like, hell no. Nah. <laughs> like, nah, He's good. smart. Hey, that, that's a, that was a smart thing that, that, that the guys got in mind because the best possible thing that works as a marketing tool for one book is your next book. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's, and yeah, if, you, if you're able to keep that momentum going, Thanks. then fabulous. That, oh, then, yeah. then you're in a great, then you're in a great shape there. So that sounds like you were able to get some, re- you know, get some real good loyal readers. Yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. There. yeah. And in another phase was a lot of women that was reading 14 days. Day biggest thing was at the, you know, saying it's like, okay, you t- you talk about this girlfriend of yours throughout the story, but you never get to talk to her. You know, what I'm saying while you're locked up, and then ah. at the end of the book, you get out. And that's it. You know what I'm saying? What happened next with her? How that whole story play out? What's the tea with that? So they want, you know what I'm saying? They was definitely intrigued to hear that aspect of the stories too. So I'm like, okay, for sure. But it really, what sold me was 
I came across the, the statistics of the best-selling mm-hmm. genres, and when I saw romance at the top, I said, "Oh yeah, it was." That's when that, that light bulb. I was, I was yep. Ain't no if you can do it, if you can do it, then by all means, you know, like play to what to what's there. I don't I personally don't have like a romance in me. I'm a young adult sci-fi kind of guy. So okay, that's that's where my stories, you know, really, you know, like are are sitting. So when if if you have a, a knack for telling those kinds of stories, if they're gonna get that kind of audience, then damn it, go for it. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> I'm I'm there with you, man. Like that's that's awesome. That's awesome that you're able to do that and and you know like and play to that very eager fan base right there. You know like those you know the the romance readers, yeah, they love it. Oh me, so yeah, it's just been a journey. And now it's like people, like, okay, what's next? What's next? I'm like, man, I have no clue. I'm still, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Something, I'm like, some might come come about, but right now I'm just helping other people put their stories out. Excellent. So do you do you feel like you have other stories in you that are just kind of waiting now, or is it something that eventually like, you'll get to those? Both. Probably got something already brewing that I can cook up with. Uh, definitely, I know. I see, I'm, I'm only 26, so I'm like, I still got a lot more. Oh, man. Yeah, I gotta. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> you know what I mean? See, this but... is where I gotta hate you because I'm 46, right? <laughs> <laughs> I still got a lot more time left. So I'm like, yeah, I got lots of experience still. That's great. That's that's terrific, mm-hmm. man. So, what do you, what what uh, tip do you have for someone who basically just kind of wants to get started in that same way? They got a story, they have an experience. Yeah. In them, they're just not sure exactly how to work it out. What's the sure. what's the thing that you should say that they should do? If it's nonfiction, because that's what I, I, my my expertise is in. Yeah. It's nonfiction. That's easy. It's a lot more easy. Don't think about it like a school assignment. Yeah. Your professor didn't got them assign you this, and you it is due by midnight. Don't think about it like that. Mm-hmm. People are quick to equate it to some homework. Don't 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 don't, don't yeah. do that. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Get you an outline and just set it in chronological order. What happened first? All right, what happened after that? What happened after that? Tell the story from start to finish. And when you get to writing it, well, write it like you are sending a long-ass text message to one of your friends. Don't worry about no intentions, no punctuation, no grammar, but just write the shit, bro. Yeah. Just write it. Right. You start get focusing on all the others. You just gonna slow you down. You just get it on paper, bro. Just write it. Just write mm-hmm. it. That's that's fantastic. And where can my listeners find you on social media? Man, hey man, the best search tool we got. You're know saying Google me. Google yep. Chancellor K Jackson. I'm on. You'll find all my social media platforms. My website ChancellorKJackson.com. Um, mm-hmm. Other interviews I've done. Um, of course, you know what I'm saying? You'd be able to find my books as well. 14 Days of Beijing, You Love, You Learn, and Real Love Never Dies available on Amazon as well as my website. And I also have the audio book for 14 Days of Beijing. Nice. Um, nice. And it, it's on, I'm doing it episodically. So I'm dropping chapters here and there on SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. So you can, and I'm reading it so you can listen to it. And it's dope. Nice. For the show. So, I love yeah. it. I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. And what Chancellor's saying is, is, you know, it's something that you can just take, take with you for the rest of your life. You got a story in you, you got something in you, you have something to say, then just write it. Don't worry about how, just write it. And let, just like, just like we had said before, it's never too late. It's not something that you 
writing is something that you can just, you can start, you can pick up whatever, you know, like, and you can, you can take that, you can run with it. And if you, if you realize that, Hey, you have a knack for it and you're able to keep going with it, then by all means, keep going with it. You got stories in you, tell them, don't worry how they're being told, just tell them. And so for Chancellor Jackson, this is George Savoy saying to all of you ever upward, and I will see you next week. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Excelsior Journeys. I hope it was both inspiring and entertaining. Special thanks to Zach Comtois for providing new music for the intro and outro. Please take a moment to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe to your platform of choice by going to he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. While there, you can also fill out the application to be a guest, inquire about sponsorship opportunities, and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link if you wish to give your support to the show. All interaction is very much appreciated. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion for the show, please direct it to george at he'sgotit.com.